circle centers for Cousins, a shot, and he scores. Dylan Cousins makes it 3-0 Lethbridge. Byram going to take it coast to coast on a backhand, scores! Up to the blue line, Vandalese, the effort, tip, scores! Carson Folk is Mr. Teddy Bear! A deflection. Oh, he scores! It's over! It's over! Game 7, overtime, hero! Welcome, welcome, welcome to the WHL Podcast. I am your host, Zach Cotter, the manager of player development for the Western Hockey League. On this week's episode, we have a Memorial Cup champion by the name of Wacy Rabbit. Say that four times quick, as well as Spokane Chiefs first round pick, 15th overall, the 2019 WHL draft, Ben Thornton. But before all that, it's time for the news and notes. Let's start in Red Deer where the Hockey Canada National Junior Team Sport Check Selection Camp is currently underway. 15 WHL players are taking part as well as Kirby Dock, a former Saskatoon Blade and current Chicago Blackhawk. In that mix are two returning players, defenseman Bowen Byram from the Vancouver Giants and forward Dylan Cousins from the Lethbridge Hurricanes. Let's grab a little bit of audio from Bowen Byron's press conference. Getting to know everyone on a personal basis. I mean, uh, in a camp like this, there's 40 some odd guys here, so that can be challenging. I think getting to know everyone uh, is huge. And then obviously finding chemistry on the ice, whether it's a defense pairing or, or a line or, or anything like that. The World Junior Camp runs from November 16th until December 13th in Red Deer, Alberta. And then they'll be off to Edmonton to the bubble for the World Junior Championships. The Spokane Chiefs have announced that they have signed General Manager Scott Carter to a two-year contract extension to run through the 22-23 season. Carter arrived in Spokane in 2016, and since then, he has a 149-97-17-13 record with the Chiefs, and their 680 winning percentage at the end of last season's pandemic-shortened campaign with the franchise best since 2010-11. The Vancouver Giants have announced that they have named Keith McCambridge of Thompson, Manitoba, as their new associate coach. Mick Cambridge comes to the Giants after spending the previous 10 seasons coaching in the American Hockey League, where he served as head coach of the Hartford Wolfpack from 2017 to 2019, the Manitoba Moose in 2015-16, and the St. John Icecaps from 2011 to 2015. McCambridge also appeared in 282 Western Hockey League games with the Swift Current Broncos and Kamloops Blazers, and in his final season of junior hockey with Kamloops, he helped the Blazers capture their third and most recent Memorial Cup championship. The 22 mascots in the WHL have launched their own campaign and it's called Tease for Toys. The Tease for Toys campaign will give fans an opportunity to purchase a limited edition WHL t-shirt featuring the club's mascot in a unique holiday theme. T-shirts are available for online purchase at a cost of $20 Canadian and are available in both adult and youth sizes. $7 from each shirt that is sold will go directly to a local charity in the home community of the mascot depicted on the t-shirt which is purchased. To see what the shirts look like, you can head to whl.ca backslash for toys. That's all for the news and notes. For everything Western Hockey League, you can follow us on Twitter at the WHL. When you think about the Western Hockey League, who are the unsung heroes? Is it the volunteers, the parking lot attendants, maybe the off-ice officials? Well, if you picked any of those, go take a hard look in the mirror because it's clearly the mascots. Think about it. They're in a suit that hasn't been cleaned since the 90s. 
They have to deal with kids pulling on them, teenagers bothering them, and the visibility is so bad that walking is essentially an extreme sport. But despite all that, the mascots of the WHL have joined forces to raise money so that no child goes through this holiday season without a gift through the Tees for Toys campaign. Wow. Each of the 22 mascots across the WHL have designed their own unique Christmas-themed t-shirts, and $7 from the purchase of each shirt will be used to buy toys for underprivileged children in our communities. That's pretty neat. For more information and how you can participate in the Tees for Toys campaign and help your community, please visit whl.ca. Wow, great. I'm talking with today the 2006 Humanitarian of the Year, the 2007 Memorial Cup champion with the Vancouver Giants. He's played over 14 years of professional hockey now. He started his own company. Uh, it's Wacy Rabbit. Wacy, how have you been? And what has this pandemic era been like for yourself? Well, I can say that I've been healthy. My, uh, my family's been healthy. Uh, my girlfriend's been healthy. So we're very grateful for that. But like everybody, I mean, we're just kind of sitting and just waiting. Luckily enough that my, my season down in Jacksonville has been green lit. So we leave. Uh, it's the 18th today. So I'm, I'm leaving on the 25th. But I mean, the, the pandemic, like I said, things change day by day. So I'm just holding my breath for now. As you get ready to go down to Jacksonville, you've been there. This will be your fourth season with the team, I believe. Are you nervous at all heading down there? Or, or do you feel as safe as you can going back to uh, the Iceman? Uh, obviously, nerves are going to be part of anything. Even if it, before the beginning of hockey season, you always have your nerves. But everything's so uncertain. Um, I, I do feel confident that the league and our team um, have done the best to, to make sure we're prepared. It's going to be different for sure. But like I've told the players, I mean, just to be able to play hockey this year, it's going to be a privilege. So I'm taking the, the positive with that. I mean, at the same time, I mean, you just live 24 at a time because that's all you can. And like I said, I'm, I'm getting, I'm getting ready to leave, but it's, it is uncertain times and I do have to drive down. So it'll be kind of an interesting drive down as well. Yeah, that, oh my goodness, you're driving down from Edmonton. Oh my, good for you. That's all I'm going to say. It's good for you on that. That's an impressive drive. And it's been an impressive life you've had. Let's turn the page back a little bit here. Let's go back to your Saskatoon days when you started with the Blades. Do you remember what it was like? And first of all, for anybody who's listening, if you want to go check out Wasey's stats from when he was 16 with the Saskatoon Blades, they're pretty phenomenal. 21 goals and over 20 assists for 45 points as a 16-year-old is, is tremendous. But do you remember what that first season was like for yourself, making that transition as a third-round pick into the Western Hockey League? Yeah, I think for most kids, um, I know I've shared a couple stories with the guys that I skate their first year junior is always, it's tough because it's your first time away from home. I remember being homesick the first two or three months and then adding to that, I wasn't playing very much as in and out of the lineup as expected as a 16 year old. Um, and then I did finally get my, get my opportunity and I just ran with it. I remember Kevin Dickey was our head coach and he had some confidence in me. I started on the second power play unit. And then I worked my way up to the first, but I mean, nothing ever was given. I mean, I was a third round pick. I wasn't a high pick. I was very undersized. I think I weighed in at 148 pounds that year. I was five, eight. So I like <laughs> the cards were stacked against me, but I mean, I always played big. I mean, I was never afraid to go into the corners. I knew my quickness was something that I'd have to rely on. 
and just thinking fast. But I mean, I, I was very grateful to, to play with two great, I mean, Warren Peters is our 20 year old as a captain. He, he really took me under his wing and Ryan Keller, I think at the time was probably one of the best goal scorers in the league. So uh, it was really easy to play with those players. You just had to make sure that you're prepared every game, every shift, because I mean, there's 18 and 19 year olds that are, we're, we're ready to take my spot there. So I, I had to earn it. And thankfully that I, I did finish the year. Like, uh, like you said, my stats, um, they showed that. Yeah. I mean, you know, you had four years in Saskatoon, your 19 year old season, you were named the captain of the team. And then your 20 year old year, you started the year in Providence, which was the affiliate team of the Boston Bruins and still is when you were in Providence, did you think that you were going to be there at the entire season? Or did you know that there was a possibility that you might be coming back to the Western hockey league? No, when you sign your professional contract, you're expected. Like I, I kind of turned the page. Um, at the time, the American Hockey League, they were only having 10 or 11 forwards being dressed. They didn't have the full four lines. And I was a centerman. So I was playing behind guys like Craig C., Vladimir Sabotka, Nate Thompson. So guys that are like full-time NHLers within the like a couple of years. So I, and I wasn't a high pick again. So I had to earn my ice time. I remember I was healthy scratched about seven to eight times in a row. It was tough. And obviously it is a developmental league. I was young and they wanted me to make sure I was playing. So I did get sent down to the ECHL. And in that transition, the transaction period, about 24 hours, uh, the league, well, sorry, my agent talked with the Western Hockey League about if I was able to come back and that my rights would be traded for sure. I wasn't going to come back to Saskatoon. And I remember taking that flight from Boston to Long Beach, which was at the time the, the Boston's affiliate in the East Coast Hockey League. And when I landed, I, <laughs> I had a lot of missed calls and some voicemails saying that I, I got traded to Vancouver. So within a 48-hour period, I was a professional hockey league in the American Hockey League. Or sorry, a professional hockey player in the American Hockey League. And then I was a, a Memorial Cup uh, a participant for sure because I was traded to Vancouver. And at that time, they, we had a really good team and we were hosting. So I was excited. And obviously, you want to play professional, but that was kind of a, it was okay for me to go back to the Western Hockey League and get a chance to win. And with that team, I mean, for myself, I remember I was, uh, I went to about 10 to 15 Giants home games a year. I remember when they traded for you, I remember being like, oh my goodness, we're actually going to win it this year. But for yourself, walking into that locker room, you know, you're a 20 year old player. There are some really, really good players on that team. And not only that, they've been together for three to four years now. I mean, you know, they've had the Fistricks, the Festerlings, the Luciches. Those guys have all been there. Dustin Slade, who you didn't get to meet because he was uh, on his way out by that point. But, um, you know, was it difficult for you to walk into that dressing room or was it immediately, hey, you're here to help us win and we're so excited to have you? No. So like I said, in that transaction period, I was looking at the roster and I played against most of the guys or played with either in summer hockey as a minor hockey or doing hockey Canada um, events, the leadership core as a 20 year old, if you're getting traded at the deadline, you're expected that you're going to be, you're going to be a lot of be weighing on your shoulders, but I didn't feel that, you know, I like think we had a lot of players that were, when I got there, there was still quite a few players missing because they're at the world juniors. So we had, we had a lot of players, a lot of NHL draft picks, even our 16-year-olds, they were, <laughs> they could have been the top players on most other teams. You look at the guys like Lance Boma, Craig Cunningham, uh, James Wright. Those were our 16-year-olds, and they ended up having good careers. Like we, I walked into that dressing room. They were, I mean, you fall in line or you stick out like a like a like a sore thumb. And Don did a great job preparing us. And I remember my first meeting with him. I walked in. He said, "Well, why are you here?" And I said, "Well, I'm here to win." And it was smooth sailing from there. And you just kind of. That, that locker room is very um, contagious and they're very, 
like I said, if you don't, if you don't fall in line, you stick out because they work hard, they have their traditions. And I mean, I just fit well because I, I played the same style that they want, that they played. So it was a good fit. Well, I can tell you that those 16 year olds ended up being the 19 year olds and the captains when I was 16 on the giants and they kept that culture and that tradition right through. There were some tough practices back in those days, but there's two games I want to ask you about from that 20 year old year. The first game seven WHL championship medicine hat, one of the most famous game sevens in the history of the Western hockey league championship. And then the Memorial cup final, essentially the revenge game for you guys. What was it like playing in that game seven? And then what was the feeling before the Memorial cup final playing medicine hat for that last time? Well, the, the game seven, I've been asked about that a lot lately, thinking back on it. Now you, you talk about <laughs> pressure situations. We were going into medicine hat up three games to two. So we had our chance to finish it in game six and we didn't game seven. I mean, you know, it's a toss up the best. If you have an off night, you're done. And, but I mean, both teams played amazing. We went to double overtime. I remember the buildup before the game. I remember doing my dynamic warm up outside. It was nice because it was May. So you could warm up outside and it was like four 30, almost five o'clock and the parking lot was already packed. You know, they did the, they were having the, the pregame celebrations and the, all the fans were into it. But once we hit the ice, it was intense from the goalies to the fencemen forwards on both sides that everybody brought their A game. You know, it was back and forth and adding to that of the, of, of obviously the, the, the intense game is that the fog kept coming down because there's so many people. So we'd have to go out and skate around to help lift up the fog from the ice. And that just added to it. So I remember I scored that game. I don't remember who tied it up to bring it into overtime. I just remember in overtime that it was going back and forth and it was so fun. It was so intense that that was probably the best hockey I played in my career. And that's including the American hockey league and international play. You look at the teams, I mean, the players on both teams, they, the whole roster went on to either play well in the, the CIS or in, in, uh, in professional sports, but unfortunately we didn't, we didn't win. And that was uh, that was heartbreaking. But we didn't have uh, time to kind of lick our wounds. We were within four or five days we were hosting. And that Memorial Cup, it was, it was an up and down because you're, you're so high. And obviously, you're not, you don't go in. You, you feel like you, you deserve to be there. But we wanted to prove that, you know, we didn't go through the front door. We went through the screen door. That's what we would say. Because, I mean, we, we had every right to be there. We were one of the best teams in Canada all year. Uh, especially in the CHL and then obviously in the Western Hockey League, we could have, I mean, one bounce, we were Western Hockey League champions away to, to finally, to, to get to that rematch in our, in our building, um, sold out against that team, the, the Tigers. And it, it was, it was meant to be, I remember the last three seconds or the last 30 seconds I was out there um, for the shift and you knew you're going to win. And I love, I love watching teams, especially like in professional sports when they know they're going to win the countdown. And I've always wanted to be a part of that. And I just get chills down my spine thinking about it because I was on the ice and I rifled my stick about 70 feet in the air. Thankfully, it didn't come down and kill anybody, but just the celebration. And I was only there from January to May, but I mean, I, I still talk to those guys like I was there for 10 years, you know, like as a part of it. And I, talk, I still talk to Craig Cunningham and I teammates with Garrett Hunt. So when you do win, you build those relationships in there for life because like, you don't get to win very often and to win a major championship like that in, in your city and the celebration in front of your fans, your family, uh, the scouting staff, the brass, everyone that was a part of it. You just make sure that you soak that in because it only happens once in a lifetime. I and mean, you might be able to win two or three times, but on that level, it's, it's something special. And I'll always be able to take that with me throughout my, the rest of my life. 
Yeah. And I mean, you, you want to talk about a, a special time in the Western hockey league and in junior hockey, that's that Memorial cup, that playoffs is just such a special time. And, you know, it's nostalgic now for us to look back on and you talk about winning you're, you know, you're in this transition phase now where you have played 14 years of professional hockey. You're now moving. You're going to go back down to Jacksonville to the ECHL. You might play a couple more years, but you're preparing for life after hockey. And you've just been named um, the Indigenous Sports Council of Alberta's ambassador for sport for hockey. So now you're transitioning that winning to helping the youth in Alberta win. So what does that role entail and what are you hoping to accomplish with it? Well, the, the, with I, ISCA, I think especially with this time of uh, what's going on in the climate in the world, I want to make sure that our youth know they have a, they have a place in this, in this sport. Um, whether it's in hockey, academics, anything in this world that they, they deserve every opportunity if they work hard and they chase their dreams. And I think that um, if they see that in myself, I mean, I never played in the NHL, but you look at how many Indigenous athletes have gone on to play in the NHL. And Ethan Bear with Seattle, Michael Furland with the Canucks now. Um, he, they, they, they chased their dreams. They had to, to, to leave some opportunities, some situations where they didn't want them, obviously leaving the reserve for myself was one of the biggest things that not only for myself and my family. So I want to make sure that these kids know that there is a, there is a place for them. And after the transitioning to hockey, it's, I mean, I never played in the NHL, but the game has given me so much. My life experience just from the game has been amazing. I've traveled and lived in some amazing places, uh, very grateful and very lucky to meet some of the people that I have, whether it was with hockey or just in my travels. So I want to make sure now it's my time to give back to the game. And that's kind of what my program's doing. I'm trying to want to graduate into skill development or the development side of hockey, whether it was coaching or just individual skill stuff. So just, I mean, I've been taught by some of the best uh, skills coaches in the world, whether it's Paul Vincent or Adam Redmond, that now I can start giving back to the, to those guys. And there's some Western hockey League guys in my, in my group here in Edmonton, but for my schools, it's, it's kind of, for right now, because of COVID, I can only do First Nations. They have to bring me in under strict strict guidelines. But I wanted to make sure that they, even if it was for an hour, these kids can be kids, especially in this climate with COVID, that they need to just, for mental health and just physical health, and just let them be kids. Because hockey's fun at the end of the day. You don't you don't start the game to be <laughs> to be Sidney Crosby and like your parents. You're, hockey's there to be for life skills. You know, it's to get out and be athletic and to learn to put others ahead of yourself and to work in a team atmosphere. I think that's most important. I want these kids to know that it's, it's important to obviously have goals too, but to have fun is the most important because hockey is a great game. That's a lot of fun when you win and it's uh, a lot better when you win a Memorial cup, I'm sure. But I mean, you talk that answer you just gave, it's not surprising that in 2006, you were also the humanitarian of the year for the Western hockey league. Can you remember any of the, the initiatives that you were a part in or, or you took the lead on for the blades when you won that award? Well, I have to give all the credit to our our staff there. Um, Mr. Sissons, who's in PA now, I believe, he, he was one of the big parts because obviously Saskatoon has a big Indigenous population, and I was named captain there, so I wanted to make sure that I was, was going to give back to my community. But it started when I was 16. I always talk about Jack Ross, who was the owner at the time. I, I always remember as a draft pick, they, they bring you in and your first experience, and one of the first things that resonated with me was that we may be hockey players and maybe Saskatoon Blades, but we're, we're citizens of the Saskatoon community first. And it, and that, that resonated with me. So I always wanted to make sure that when I was there, that people seeing that, you know, I'll come speak to schools. I want to be a part of the kids practices or whatever it is. I always made sure I said yes. 
but once I kind of got more uh, notoriety and obviously being in Saskatoon for three or four years at the time that I could go to schools and I wanted to do something a little bit bigger. So I wanted to make sure we included the indigenous population in Saskatoon tribal council, all the reserves outside Saskatoon to visit. So they did a great job of hooking that up, whether it was we went to go to a reading or just play like hockey with the kids. And we had the initiative where they would, we would select 30 kids from all from these uh, communities to come into our, come into Saskatoon and watch a practice or a game. And then we'd have a pizza party. I remember we had the, the firefighters were repelling from the ropes with the canine unit come down. So it was something that like, you had to, it was like in the schools that we go to, they had to have good attendance, um, good participation and then grades and all that. But I wanted to make sure that they did get to come experience the Western hockey league and that they, they knew that they could identify with me because I come from the same, I mean, I may be, may be from Alberta, but uh, I come from the same community that they come from and that if they want to, to chase that dream of being a Western Hockey League player or a, or, a, or a professional, or like I said, in academics or being a doctor or lawyer, that there, there is there is room for, for everybody. Essentially, you're telling kids you can do anything you want in life. Don't worry about what other people tell you you are because it's up to you to decide and go after what you want to be in life. And we've been talking a lot about, you know, your, your upbringing. Yeah, you're obviously the First Nations. Have you experienced discrimination in hockey? And if you have, how difficult is it to deal with? Uh, what can we do to be better teammates, better people uh, when we see that happening in hockey? Yeah, well, I'll answer your first question that I, yeah. I mean, I've had, I've had experiences in grade two with racism. Um, in a sport, unfortunately, yes, for sure. But I was always taught from a young age, especially from my grandparents, to be proud of who I am and where I come from. And I've always brought that with me. And for, I mean, for the other side is that, uh, the other side of the coin. I mean, it's all about education. You know, um, in Canada, we have a very, very dark history. Um, once they, once we know where everybody's story and everybody comes from, we can start to understand each other better. At the end of the day, hockey is is a sport. You know, it's it's meant to bring the communities together. Uh, whether you're an immigrant of five years coming into Canada, or your history of myself that like we've been here at the beginning of time, or or your family that maybe immigrated in 1800s or so, but we're all Canadians we all end up wanting to play hockey and cheering on hockey. And that's what it's supposed to be. It's sport is supposed to bring communities together. And if one, one select group of people don't feel a part of it, then that's not the, the meaning of sport. And that at the end of the day, it's, it's how you treat people in your relationships with those people, whether it's, whether you, it doesn't matter about your skin color. And I think at the end of the day, that's most important. Yeah. And it's something that's for some people, it takes time to understand that we're all in this together and, you know, building relationships is going to go so much further in the long run than, than judging somebody off of, you know, a perceived characteristic. But that brings me to my next question. You know, you've, again, 14 seasons of professional hockey. When you look back at your 20-year-old season with the Vancouver Giants, you throw in your stick up to the rafters to right now, what do you think has been your biggest area of growth as a person? Ooh, I think most important, I, I wanted to make sure with my growth, obviously the being the on ice is one thing, but being a good teammate is, is most important for me. I mean, you only play for, for 15 years. I mean, the average career goes from five to seven. I was lucky enough to play 14 years, but I wanted to make sure on every team that I, I had relationships with every guy, whether you were a backup goalie or a fourth liner that I wanted to make sure that you felt important on the team. And I always felt that would bring teams together and 
I guess, even make myself a better player and a better person with, with the actual game part. I mean, I always feel like I'm always learning, you know, I'm not the, I'm not the biggest guy, so I need to keep improving my game. And I felt that's what helped me just kind of walk into any dressing room around the world, literally to, to fit in, you know, so I have lived, I played in Japan, I played in Italy and now I'm back in the East coast and I'm trying to kick it with the young guys, you know, but I'm, I'm always trying to get better in the summertime. And that was the most important thing I felt is being a good teammate, being a good person and always making sure that you're getting better in your off in your off time when you're not at the rink. When you're talking about around the world, you aren't kidding. You've played in the United States and several different teams. You've played in Croatia, Norway, Japan, Italy, the Czech Republic, and Romania. I mean, that is that is such a cool experience that you've got to have, that you've got to experience. Out of those places, which has been the one stop that you've gone to that has really, you didn't have any expectations of it being a great place to go, or you were kind of like, well, the opportunity to play hockey is great. But then once you got there, you really fell in love with the city or fell in love with the country. My number one was Norway. I, I mean, I, I spent three years there. That was kind of my stop of where after the American Hockey League, I kind of knew my, my dream of making the NHL was kind of over. So I wanted to use obviously hockey as, as a way to make ends meet, but for an op- for myself is to use it as a vehicle to travel the world, to see some things while playing hockey. And I didn't have a lot of expectations because Norway is not the, in Scandinavia is not the hockey hotbed. You're thinking of Finland and Sweden as like the hockey hotbeds. But once I got there, we lived right downtown. Oslo is one of the most beautiful cities in the world. Um, they treated, they treated us unbelievable. And my, uh, my first stop in Zagreb, Croatia was my first stop in Europe it was two years prior to that. And it wasn't a very good experience just away from the ice, just from not being paid and stuff, but the professionalism in Norway and then being able to go out in the city and everybody speaks perfect English. So it just kind of made that transition. And I spent three years there. I only signed a one-year contract and they wanted me to, to sign. I ended up signing two more years and I'll always remember my time with Lawrence Gog and the, the, the hockey players there are amazing. Like they're not far off from being a hockey. I mean, it's, they have a small, small country, but they're, they're very passionate about their, their winter sports. Well, it might be an opportunity for you to take your new business venture. I don't want to get this wrong, but it's WR20, Wasey Rabbit 20, which is obviously your initials and your jersey number. When you started this skills development company, you know, what's your goal and, and what do you think you can provide to the young kids? And some of them aren't young because I know you have uh, several of our Western Hockey League players that are coming to your camps and coming to your hockey schools. Yeah, I think number one is I want to make sure that these kids are, are getting trained properly. Um, hockey is such a high collision, high impact sport where they need to be good on their edges. You look at the game, it's so fast now. So when you're going to those areas that one, you're, you're comfortable enough on your edges to elude checks, to elude contact with the puck or without it. And you're doing it with your head up. So, I mean, a lot of these times is that with these, like I'm, I'm, I'm fully dressed with these kids because I'm still getting my reps. So I may screw up, but I always say that we're in where you where you make mistakes is that's where you grow the most. So getting out of your comfort zone and I don't use the toys. I use a lot of stuff. So it is game like situation, but being a good skater. And if you can think at a high level, then you'll have a good chance of making it, a, making it to the NHL. And I just want to make sure these kids are prepared. Just some of the stuff that I've learned, like I said, I've been under some of the best skills coaches in the world. Paul Vincent, he worked with the Bruins when we were with us. And I think he's with the Panthers now. And um, Ad Redmond we've worked with Hockey Canada for years in Calgary there. So I just kind of take some of every stuff from everything I've, and then add it to my own. So right now I'm trying to grow that. 
I mean, the in Edmonton, it's such a hockey hotbed for players. And right now, COVID, it kind of fell into my lap because everyone's looking for ice and it just it kind of took off. And I, it's something I've always been passionate about. Even before I started, I always made sure I worked with the younger guys everywhere I went because at the end of the day, <laughs> you grow the game, it's going to be, it's, it'll give back. And that's most important. Well, Wacey, it's, uh, it's been a real privilege getting to talk to you today. Uh, all the best of luck on your drive down to Jacksonville. And once the season actually gets going, um, I hope that uh, everything is a-okay so that uh, you get the full season in and then you're able to come back after and keep, keep growing your business, your hockey camps, and, and keep making an impact in Alberta here. I appreciate that. Thank you for having me on. Then our last guest on the podcast today is Benjamin Thornton. Thornton was the 15th overall selection by the Spokane Chiefs in the 2019 WHL draft. He's currently practicing with the Chilliwack Chiefs, skating with a pro group in Abbotsford and Chilliwack, and he spent the last several seasons with the Yale Hockey Academy in Abbotsford, BC. I caught up with him at home, see what he's doing before the puck drops on January 8th. I'm speaking with Ben Thornton, the 15th overall selection of the Spokane Chiefs of the 2019 WHL Draft. Ben, how is your summer and, and what are you doing right now in preparation for the season? Um, I've been training with the Chillac Chiefs for the past two to three months. Um, we've been working out and doing ice times twice a day. I've been training with the team and then we have our WHL group that we do too. So yeah, it's been good. Yeah, what's that like for you getting to be with a junior A team like the Chiefs? They've been one of the better teams in the BCHL for the past couple of years now. Are you getting used to the speed of junior hockey and just the size and the physicality that those guys bring? Yeah, it's great to get started early, except for other guys are still in their midget years. And I'm just, you know, working out and training with junior A group. And they're great guys, um, high skill, lots of speed and big physicality. So, yeah, it's been great. Well, looking back at last year, you had your first opportunity to go to a WHL training camp. You know, it's, it's, it's exciting when you're 15 coming in there. It's a little bit scary. It's intimidating, especially when you go from that rookie camp to the main camp. But what was the experience like for you and what were your takeaways? Yeah, it was a great experience. Um, I met a lot of new guys. Um, the coaches, the staff there are just first class. The building's awesome. It was, it was a bit different with the skill and the size and the, the speed for sure. But um, I got to adapt quickly and uh, it was a great time. Yeah. And then you ended up coming back to Yale's U18 AAA team last season. You've been at Yale Hockey Academy there in Abbotsford for several, several years now. Your father's actually a coach as well uh, with the Yale program. And you had another great season. I mean, 34 games played, 16 goals, 24 assists for 40 points. Uh, you know, it's tough. You were a first-year player or a rookie in that U18 AAA league last year, but you were still an impact player. How long did it take for you to find your game at that level? Um, yeah, first couple of games was definitely different. Um, we played against guys one to two, same year older. It took me a while, but I thought to adapt with my line mates and the team very quickly. So, yeah. And what are the things you think you, you improved on the most last season? Um, definitely my speed and my physical game. And talk about speed and physical game. You need both those playing in the Western Hockey League. And you played your first ever WHL game last season. Can you take us through what that was like and just the excitement that you had leading up to that game? Yeah, I was very nervous, but I was also very excited. Um, I didn't expect much. I didn't think I was going to play much, but uh, I was going in hoping for the best and do the best I could for myself. 
Well, let's move away from the rink now. You know, there's more to life than hockey. Let's try to get to know Ben Thornton a little bit more. When you're away from the rink, what's your favorite Netflix show that you like to binge? Oh, I, I love to binge uh, Prison Break. That's my favorite. You know, it's been a theme amongst you guys is the prison break. You're just getting back into it. Who's your favorite athlete that's not in the NHL? Oh, um, I would have to say Dustin Johnson or Justin Thomas. Oh, so you're a big golf fan. Yep. What's your handicap? Uh, seven. Oh, my goodness. You kids are so good at golf now. And you know what? It's an important part of life. What's your favorite subject in school? Um, probably have to be math. Yeah. Math. Oh, a smart guy too. Well, Ben, thank you so much for taking time out of your day. The best of luck to you as we get through this holiday season. And then hopefully we can get back to Spokane and have puck drop there on January 8th. Thank you. That's it for the show this week. Thank you again to Wasey Rabbit. Good luck to him as he heads down to Jacksonville for another season in the ECHL. And thank you to Benjamin Thornton, we're taking time out of his week. He's got school. He's got a lot of stuff going on, but he still managed to carve out five minutes for us, which we really appreciate. You can follow me on Twitter at Zach Cotter. You can follow the Western Hockey League at the WHL. We'll be back here again, dropping another episode on Wednesday next week. <laughs>